I no longer love him. <laughs> as much as it pains me to say, when I look in his eyes, all I see is the same cowardice that I, that I catch when I take a glimpse of my own face in the mirror. Welcome to the Trash Cats Trash Cast. I'm Richard. I'm Steven. And today we're going to get a little deep. As many people already know, Norm MacDonald recently passed away. He held his cancer a secret from his family and friends, and they didn't expect his sudden passing. It's an incredible burdened shoulder. It's a selfless act that seems so selfish to loved ones in the wake of the grieving process. So today we're going to discuss that burden and the morality behind these hard decisions. But first, Steven, how was your week? Yeah, man, this is gonna be uh it's gonna be a tricky one. Definitely was a super bummer to hear he passed. Um and I, I think it'll be interesting to discuss the uh, the morality involved in this and uh and uh to show him some honor, you know. Such a such a cool, funny dude. Um my week's been going okay. Just been uh grinding away on things, art and pod. Um I did. I'm. I'm kind of in a weird. I was gonna mention to you. I'm in a weird space right now. I just. Have you ever had to fill out an ISP? Do you know what no. that is? So when you're in like therapy stuff, they make you fill out these like state mandated forms every three months of treatment, and they ask you the same questions every time, like. Did you use X drug? How are you feeling this way? Did you? And it's like I filled out hundreds of these fucking things. And I just had to do a phone call one for an hour and a half after work leading into this podcast. So I'm going on like 10 hours on a computer after filling out <laughs> this individual nice. service plan. So I'm feeling crispy. It's going to be fun. It's the right headspace for this topic, I think. <laughs> <laughs> nice and crispy and fucking dead to the world. Yeah, fuck yeah. How about you, man? Um, week hasn't been too bad. So, uh, of course, I have that kidney stone last week that fucked me up pretty bad. Um, I was still processing one during the last recording, so that was cool. Um, uh, but I was fine like almost immediately afterward. Um, but I went to the urologist and they gave me, I didn't, I guess I didn't, I should have known this was a thing, but it's not really something you think about. They gave me <laughs> medical grade piss jugs. Um, Which is awesome. It's so fucking cool. They gave me, a, they gave, so they gave me three of them just in case I needed it for a two day, two, two day, 24 hour uh, urinary analysis. Um, but they gave me an extra one just in case. So now I, I kept the third one. It was like, you know, fuck just it. Just for fun. Yeah, just for fun. <laughs> Um, you never know. Yeah, you never know. But, you know, I feel like it's a showpiece, my medical grade piss jug. In case you need your uh, another doctor to give you a second opinion. Yeah. And <laughs> just, mail just, me your piss just show up with piss. <laughs> I already did the piss thing. It's okay. Just take it straight to the lab. <laughs> oh, oh God damn it. Um, but um, other than that, I, since I didn't have a kidney stone this week, I was able to get a bunch of stuff done. Um, around the house, so that's been cool. Yeah, definitely. Help from my uh, my cousin came over and helped me set up a light, and uh, mom just helped me do a bunch of shit in the shed. Um, so that's cool. 
yeah. it's nice to get uh nice to get that shit done. Tomorrow I gotta do some pruning of a plant that's blocking my garage. And then uh Do you know what it is? Um it's um fucking uh grape leaves. Uh oh, grape leaves cool. vine set up. And it's cool and it's like, you know, some of it Are you gonna like keep it, it? I'm gonna keep it. I just need to trim it back. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's a nice, a it's a nice, pretty plant to have like on the, along the fence line. So it's kind of like building a, you know, a natural barrier. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Definitely. Um, honorable mentions this week. Yeah. Um, I'll kick it off. Uh, the first one, this is a, a shout out to our buddies, uh, our, our homie dash. Fuck yeah, um, dash. Dash does a podcast with Tyler, and it is called Movie Time Extra. They're on Spotify. I think they're on other ones, too, but Spotify for sure. Um, It's just movie, space, time, space, extra, exclamation mark, and Dash and Tyler cover movies. Uh, They're about is two friends that love movies but hate each other, sit and talk (laughs) about films and have a little something extra, or a lot, depending. And they cover... uh, they cover like cool movies, like uh, some indie stuff, and then like uh, just weird ones, like um, Uncut Gems or um, let's see, Uncut Gems, Guns Akimbo was a good one, Inception. Uh, but they're all over the map with weird movies, and it's fun. I just started checking them out this week, and it's it's been great to listen to. So definitely want to shout them out. You know how I, I mentioned before, um, David. A uh, longtime uh, friend of mine. I've known him since seventh grade. Uh, yeah, me and Dash go back to second grade. That yeah, I didn't know that when you first told me. That's so funny, man. Fuck yeah, man. Dash the dude. What's up, Dash? <laughs> also, you you said uh, Guns Akimbo. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's a great movie. I haven't seen it yet. I kind of oh, wanted to. That's all, a Ricky. Movie. All of yeah, all of his uh, his uh, uh, Radcliffe's fucking indie movie shits. I, I like them all so far. Same, same. Him and Nick Cage have that same vibe, where each of them do like two or three indie movies a year that are like totally weird, independent art movies. And Guns mm. Akimbo is a fun one. It's I, it's it's dumb, but it's a yeah. fun movie. I was kind of worried about that for him after uh, Harry Potter. Like, how do you shake that? That's role, a great way to do it. Yeah, he fucking he, he nailed it. He's yeah. doing a great job. Fuck yeah. Um. So I have, uh, I have a honorable this week. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt yours with go for it. Um, so my my aunt Diane. Um, yes, I guess technically she's my cousin. It's my mom's cousin. It's a cousin twice removed. I never I, know how to do. I forget things. how that shit works. I always knew her as Aunt Diane. Um, she is. Uh, she's an artist, and um, she's been absolutely crushing it. Um, she's. Um, you painted like most of her life, I guess, and she did a lot more like realism stuff. Um, but, uh, recently, like just within the last few years or so, she took a, uh, an abstract painting class cause it was the only one available and she just wanted to do something new and, uh, she fell in love with it. And she does, I'm, I mean, I'm on, you know, uh, recording now is saying like, fuck abstract bullshit, <laughs> but like she does really cool stuff because it's, it's actually based on something and it makes sense. And you can like kind of see it. It's it, but it's it's the her color work and stuff. It it really is awesome. Uh, she does a lot of work that's uh, based on um, like the, it's abstract from like turtle tracks in the sand at like the beach and like um, various other things. But like that's one of her main 
um, you know, uh, subjects. Um, uh, you can find her work on uh, Instagram. Uh, she's at Diane V. Radel Art. Uh, that's D I A N E V R A D E L dot art. Yeah, we'll, we'll have uh, links on the Instagram, Facebook, as always. Honestly, uh, I, I almost didn't like the turtle description. And of course, like, you have to be skeptical when someone's like, my family member does abstract art, right? right yeah. You always exactly. have to be. And dude, I, I really like her stuff. Uh, it's her colors. Like, yeah, her color choices are excellent. It's iridescent. Um, she gets the, cool the, patterns and stuff. I also, I, I think that the, um, the photos of her work, as, as cool as they are, they definitely don't do the actual paintings any justice. Um, That's fair. She, they're, amazing pictures to see in person and and like they my mom's got a couple pieces from her um i've gotten a, a couple prints from her and they they just look incredible as like on the wall when you're looking at them it's it's really nice yeah um, she yeah. did one piece of a uh that was a a um like a still life kind of not a still life i guess that's different but it was a, a painting of the dolly museum and that's like one of my favorite places um so um, I saw that I was like I need I need a print of that for sure. Yeah, and we we say all the time fuck abstract art, but we both love a lot of abstract art. Yeah, it's <laughs> there's it's, exceptions. It's because there's so much garbage out there, and even she was like she's not, wasn't into abstract art um, going into it, but it was like just something that was available and something different for her to try and you know something new, and she really fell in love with it because uh, she's able to express herself in di- different ways, and and that she wasn't able to, uh, that she wasn't you know finding that she liked uh, doing before. So uh, yeah, shouts out to Aunt Diane, you're oh, crushing yeah. it. She's in galleries all over the place right now, and her work is going That's crazy. So yeah, she's she's really talented. I, I as soon as I saw her stuff, I made the comparison to that. Uh, that artist Malvada or however you say the name. Did you check the, her, that artist out by any chance? Did you send? Oh yeah. That's one you, you sent to me when we were talking about her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a, a woman artist, but uh, just digital abstract stuff. But it reminds me of like um, acrylic versions of that. Is she acrylic? I'm assuming. Um, I think Not she's sure. oil. Oil. I don't actually know that part. It's but it's similar stuff where the the patterns are interesting, but the colors are just so unique. Yeah, um, yeah, so cool. So uh, yeah, definitely check out Diane V Art. We'll have the link on Instagram for sure. All right. Um, next one. Uh, do you got any more? Sure. Uh, nope. That's it. All right, I'll run these real quick. So this second one, we're gonna play and. F- fucking awesome song at the end of the episode for an outro it's uh it's metal and brutal as fuck and it's by a metal music project called the alex jones prison planet it's fucking great (laughs) dash sent this to me so thanks for sharing dash i wanted to get you and the alex jones music on the same episode (laughs) so this music dude this stuff's so brutal all the samples are from that demon Alex Jones, and uh, it's all set to some brutal metal music that could be like an amazing album on its own. But it's like both funny, brutal, and makes fun of Alex Jones. So I fucking love it. So we're gonna play that at the end of the episode as our outro. 
And uh, the last one, I just want to shout out. He'll know, he'll know who I'm talking about. I want to shout out my goose buddy on Reddit. I appreciate your support, dude. Thank you. Hell yeah. <laughs> goose buddy. That's that's who we might play some Halo with one of these days. Oh, dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we do it? Yeah, ma'am. So first, let's start off. Let's talk about uh, Norm MacDonald. Um, Norman Jean MacDonald was a stand-up comedian, writer, and actor, best known for his deadpan style. Uh, he was born on October 17th, 1959, and raised in Quebec City. His parents were both teachers that worked in a military base north of Quebec City. MacDonald's father died in 1990 of a heart disease. He had an older brother, Neil MacDonald, who was a journalist, and a younger brother named Leslie. Early in his career, he wrote for the sitcom Roseanne. Uh, in 1993, McDonald was hired as a writer and cast member on Saturday Night Live, spending a total of five seasons on the show, which included anchoring the show's weekend update segment for three and a half seasons, during which time he also made the guest appearances on shows like Drew Carey Show and News Radio. After leaving SNL, he wrote and starred in the 1998 film Dirty Work and headlined his own sitcom, The Norm Show, from 1999 to 2001. Yeah, I did not know he did Roseanne. Um, actually, I I did know that. I forgot about it until uh, we put the, this together. But I actually did know that. Yeah, um, I did. I just worked Dirty Work for the first time uh, a couple of days ago. How was it? It's really good. It's a funny yeah. ass movie. Yeah, it's him and um, Artie Lang. I hate Roseanne, and but I love a, I love this. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, the that movie has so many cameo, not cameos, but like. Um, like random, like famous ass celebrities in it that are, hmm. you know, comedians and stuff that show up and it's, it's fucking really good. Oh yeah. In 2013, McDonald started the video podcast chat show, Norm McDonald Live, on which he interviewed comedians and other celebrities. In 2018, he released Norm McDonald has a show, a Netflix talk show with a similar premise to his podcast. Throughout his career, he appeared in numerous movies and was a regular favorite comedian panelist of talk show hosts such as Conan O'Brien, David Letterman, Dennis Miller, and Howard Stern, with many considering him to be the ultimate late-night comedy guest. He was also a voice actor, best known for providing voice roles in Mike Tyson's Mysteries, The Orville, and Dr. Doolittle Films. Dude, Mike Tyson Memories, or Mike Tyson Mysteries. Dude. It's such a good fucking show. I actually haven't seen that one. It's but fucking I, hilarious. It's I really love good. anything Mike Tyson related, man. Holy it's, shit. It's made by uh, Hanna-Barbera shit. Is that the one that's animated with the pigeon? Yeah. Yeah. I keep wanting to check it out. It's worth it. It's it's a good watch. Oh, yeah. Um, in early 1998, Don Olmeyer, president of NBC's West Coast Division, had McDonald removed as Weekend Update anchor, citing a decline in ratings and a drop-off in quality. <laughs> McDonald was replaced by Colin Quinn at the Weekend Update desk beginning on January 10th, 1998 episode. Uh, on the January 10th episode. Uh, McDonald believes at the time that the true reason for his dismissal was the series of O.J. Simpson jokes during and after the trial, frequently <laughs> calling him a murderer. <laughs> Olmeyer was a good friend of Simpson and supporting and supported him during the proceedings. After being removed from the role, McDonald went on CBS's Late Night with David Letterman and Howard Stern's syndicated radio show. In both appearances, he accused Olmeyer of firing him for making jokes about Simpson. The uh, jokes were written primarily by McDonald, 
and longtime SNL writer Jim Downey, who was fired from SNL at the same time. Downey pointed out in an interview that Allmeyer threw a party for the jurors who quitted Simpson. Wow. Can you imagine defending Simpson over and over again, and then he puts out that fucking book? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, if I did it. Right. <laughs> what a piece of shit. Dude, his- uh, Didn't he, like, rob a, try to rob a casino or some shit? No, he stole back his memorabilia. Like, okay. he, he became, like, hooked on crack, and he, like, needed money, and he, some dude stole his old football memorabilia, and then he robbed the dude back, and I think it was, like, an armed robbery, then he went back to prison, and he's back out, now he's, like, popular on uh, TikTok or Twitter or whatever the fuck. Oh, is he out of prison? Yeah. Oh, wow. And he's doing, like, little YouTube videos, like, hey, I know I'm back, and he'll, like, comment on some random thing going on in the news. And it like it's so ridiculous. Get an OJ Simpson cameo for the podcast. I think he's on cameo, and I think we could do that. <laughs> Just get him to say like, "Hey guys, I really like the Jewish cats trash cans." <laughs> All right, we're looking into that after this. <laughs> McDonald said his past gambling addiction had been in. <laughs> that did it for you. <laughs> No preface, just he said that his past gambling addiction <laughs> had it been initiated by a six-figure win at craps a craps table in Atlantic City. In an appearance on the What the Fuck with Mark Marin podcast in 2011, McDonald revealed that he had lost all of his money gambling three times, and the largest amount he lost all at once was four hundred thousand dollars. As a poker player, his best live result was cashing for $20,915 in the $1,000 Bellagio Weekend Tournament in July of 2006. In the 2007 World Series of Poker, he came in 20th place out of 827 entrants in the $3,000 No Limits Texas Hold'em event, winning $14,000-some dollars. He also frequently played live cash games as well as online poker. McDonald stated in a 2018 interview prior to the ruling in the United States versus Schweinberg, uh, which is when online poker got banned, he would play up to 20 online limit hold'em games at once. Since they went online, it kind of saved my life because I was just grinding out and couldn't even sleep. Um, That's brutal. Yeah, that is brutal. I... I was going to take out the part about his, his gambling thing, but he talks about it a lot. Um, he talked about it a lot and I, I you know, I think I thought that some of those figures were pretty wild. Yeah. It's, man, it's, it's part of his character. He's got a little addictive edge to him. Yeah. Make, makes, <laughs> makes him who he is, you know? And despite all his losses, he always came back and like, no matter what project he was working on, he always evolved his career into something new from stand-up to acting, uh, hosting Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and then he was even a spokesperson for Safe Auto Insurance. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't know he was the host of uh, Millionaire. He, I, I don't think he did it long. They they, but I think he did like a season or something. But I remember seeing him on that in commercials. And I was like, what the fuck? I definitely didn't know about Safe Auto. Mm-hmm. Um. So. <laughs> 
we did not work on these transitions. Read this next sentence. <laughs> yeah. We can uh we can we can uh we can make it work somehow. Um <laughs> It's way funnier this way. So McDonald died from acute like <laughs> he, he would think this is funny. <laughs> McDonald died from acute leukemia at a hospital in Pasadena, California on September 14th, 2021, at the age of 61. He had been diagnosed nine years prior, though he disclosed his diagnosis to only few close friends and family members, fearing that the publicity discussing his health uh, would affect the way he was perceived. Many comedians publicly mourned him. McDonald's close friend, Lori Jo Hostra, who was with McDonald when he died, was adamant about keeping his diagnosis from family, friends, and fans. He only shared it with a handful of people. Hoekstra, McDonald's longtime producing partner, told Deadline in a statement, he was most proud of his comedy. He never wanted the diagnosis to affect the way the audience or any of his loved ones saw him. Norm was a pure comic. He once wrote that a joke should catch someone by surprise. It should never pander. He certainly never pandered. Norm will be missed terribly. Those are beautiful words. It really is. It's, um, it's, I know we're going to get into it, but it is so abnormal and wild that he didn't tell people. Yeah. I know we don't, we don't fully know how much of his immediate family he did or didn't tell, but a lot of the people close to him are reporting that he didn't tell his whole immediate family. Part of his New York Times obituary article read, uh, When the news broke in the afternoon, every white guy my age used the occasion of Norm's death to pass around all-time clips of him doing jokes that only Norm MacDonald could have ever pulled off, and to earnestly note that Norm taught them how to be ironic. These were very nice tributes. He was a comedian's comedians, all that tired shit. <laughs> it's just that there isn't a man on earth who would have disdained a nice tribute more than Norm MacDonald, a man who abhorred sen- sentimentality almost as much as he abhorred O.J. Simpson. <laughs> if you really admired Norm, you would have said, actually, I never cared for the man. That's I, so on point. Yeah. That's very, very much his vibe. That, that's part of what is so great about him. Like, he he, he had one of those, uh, like, affects where, like, he just seemed like a shitty person. Mm-hmm. Which... Like, because it was so, like, negative and deadpan, like, it when you're, like, so hardcore that way, it almost makes you beloved by, like, a bigger yeah. audience. He, he, I really loved his, um, the, uh, the podcast show, um, the, the Norm MacDonald Live, that he would have people on there and it's just his delivery for shit. He would read off, like, they would read off these awful, terrible, like, offensive <laughs> jokes. And, like, you could just see the disgust on some people's faces. And, like, they can't, sometimes they can't help but laugh because of his delivery. That's outstanding. And it's just, it's just great. It's, like, things that, like, literally only he can do and get away with. Especially, yeah. Especially during this whole period of time where the rules rules around comedy have been changing so much and he just he always stuck to his guns and did whatever the fuck he wanted and he really could get away with it that sounds like such a cliche point but it is like a thing yeah 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 um and and all the while you know carrying the weight of you know this 
this burden of knowing that you're going to die soon and like doing that while keeping other people laughing, you know, putting on that, you know, the, the brave face thing, like it's, it's hard. And I, I know that's also, that's a thing with like comedians in general too, is like the, definitely, you know, uh, um, the, the sad clown behind the thing. That's like, that's like a whole motif, I guess, as you see in a lot of comedians that are like, they're always on, you know, and like making people laugh and, you know, they look like they're happy. And then there's that, but like, and this isn't the, the case with, with that so much, but like keeping, keeping yourself and other people laughing when there is a darkness that's, you know, n- knowing what you know inside. Yeah. It's Joker vibes. No, yeah. he, he had already like reached his peak, right? Like he was, he had cancer. What he knew for nine years. Um, I don't think he knew that long. Did he? I think, I think I saw something that said he, he had known for the last nine years. Oh, wow. Which is, I mean, he had already that's, built that's his wild. He had built his career already, but he knew for a long time. Like, yeah. he was still doing a lot of things. He didn't really slow down. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. You know, and it's, it's a lot. So let's, let's talk about, let's talk about this. So like, like I said, there's the, the burden of knowing that, you have a shorter time left than you expect. Um, you know, the, the hard part is like, when does the grieving actually start? Like you, you start to like, cause you go through those feelings of grief, those stages of grief for yourself. Like you would, like it happens, you know, like when you, even when you have like, just get bad news, like, you know, something that you were really looking forward to, like you still have to like come to accept it and then whatever, you know? Um, so it, it must, it's got to begin with shock because there's no, I, I can't imagine what it's like to, to hear, to, you know, to know that, you know, you're dying and then just, you, there's no way that you just adapt to it like that quickly. It's like, there's a whole, there's got to be a whole step in between that. Your whole life is different in a single moment. Yeah. It's, uh, but I don't know, like, I, I know we're going to try to like flush this apart more, but I don't know if like, and I don't think the clearly how he chose to handle this, the people close to him don't know either. Only he would know, but like, I don't know if like you keep it a secret like that out of denial or if you did truly accept it, like who, who knows where along that process of if he grieved or mourned, himself at all or if he was just full speed ahead yeah and it, and if, if it's something that he knew about for you know that long it could have been like it started off as like a small thing and he didn't want to worry people so he didn't bring it up and then it as it got worse you know you you think like well i don't want to scare him now right i've already known for two i see how you could get yeah. trapped into into not being able to share it yeah exactly um, and you know, part of the, the entire grieving process is like you share the burden so that it, you lighten the load on yourself. Like so many, like that's, that's the way, that's the way that we do. It's like, um, you know, you asked me a few episodes ago if I had a, uh, if I had any like dark secrets and it's like, I super don't like I'm a big, I'm an open book. 
um, for like my own life and stuff. And I feel like that's partially, it's like therapy for me. Like I just, I talk, I talk about things. I, you know, I voice my, my thoughts and my, my struggles and it helps me figure it out myself in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it only seems natural to tell someone else, like at least to me, it it just it seems natural to tell someone else when like there's something, you know, life changing, life altering going on for you, you know, like you want the people involved in your life to know what's happening. You know, you want to keep them informed and you like, you don't want to lie to them. Yeah. I feel like it would be almost like a form of torture not to be able to share that. Like, I don't know if he did or where his choice fell on the matter. I, I just don't, I want to be careful not to speak for what I think he felt or not. So if I do just ignore it, I'm just, yeah, yeah. I'm just I think- exploring. That's yeah. I, I think for me, like I'm I'm exploring more of like what how I would feel. Yeah. Like I'm trying to, you know, I'm I've consider myself pretty empathetic and like I'm trying to put myself into that position, those shoes. And it's it's not it's not a concept I'm really new to. Like we'll talk about that later too, but like I don't you know, like just exploring the concept of like why people how, like not even why, but like how people are able to do to do that. It just seems, it seems so difficult to me. It would, I feel like it really would be like torturous, but I also see, I see the value in it, but I also see like all these articles about him have been very interesting because um, if they, there's a couple articles that have specifically addressed it, but for the most part, they're almost like just a normal death article of a celebrity but uh, you'll find one or two lines about how he didn't tell people. And then you see these other articles that are like, hey, that was kind of shitty of him. Like, if, yeah. if I, I see th- there's a darkness to that as well. And without knowing him, like if it's just somebody else, like, I don't know, if somebody I cared for did that, I would probably feel pretty hurt. I think it's a, a very complicated thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and so like the reasons why the reasons why people can do it, this is also this is from my own perspective, I've never I mean, obviously never talked to someone that did it because I didn't know them then knew, knew that it happened and it was till until it was too late. But you know, when people know that they're ill, they treat you differently. Um, they speak of you differently, but most importantly, they think of you differently. Um, every occasion you spend together, all the, uh, the time spent then is, is time spent thinking that like, this may be the last time I get to see this person, or, um, we have to do all these things before, you know, they're, before they don't get the chance to anymore. There's like a pressure to make it special and do things differently and live like you're dying. Um, but there's also, you gotta be like a, a, there's a sadness and a turmoil that you don't want you you know just you don't want to see your family mourn you while you're still here you know you don't want you want to live life like you're like you know with your loved ones being happy around you and not being sad and you know that's i imagine that's that's how i would that's what i would want to see like it would be such a that's such a stress on its own to see you know, to watch your family suffer while you, you know, you're still, while you're going through it. And it's like, I want to see the people I love happy. Yeah. 
And in that sense, like sparing your family that grief is an honorable thing in many ways, but it's almost one of those things you're deciding that they don't get to decide in the sense of like, you're sparing them the the grief, right? But you're Mm -hmm. not, you're not giving them the time to mourn you and you're denying your, your, yourself that chance also. Yeah. And kind of what you're saying earlier, like we're both very open, but like, I feel like it's not uncommon when you just see people oversharing. Like I, there's yeah. a real fine line of balancing private and like public thoughts and speech, right? Mm-hmm. And just like people can't unsee like um, a chronic illness with a, a death diagnosis kind of thing. Um, I, I've in my life experienced people that um, those really heavy things like like sexual assault or like addiction or things that are like really heavy in nature, I feel like, or, or a cancer diagnosis, there are things you, I think you still should be open with to the people you love, but you have to be very careful choosing who you share those things, like to guard them a little bit because it does make you vulnerable and even though it's not fair and the person you're sharing with could love you just as much, it, it really does change people's perceptions. Yeah. So you just, I'm, I fully think and fully believe in honesty and openness, but you do have to choose those people wisely. Yeah. It's tricky. Um, you know, and, and the, the other part that I think is wild is like, you know, it's, it's like, why people do it, but like how they do it. It's, it's gotta be one of the most difficult things. I think, especially when you're, when you're famous, it's like another level of shit. And like, you can't tell anybody because then like, if it leaks somewhere, if someone knows something and it just gets overheard or whatever, then, you know, then suddenly everyone knows and anyone even like close to you that didn't hear about it, they're going to read about it somewhere else. And that's not the way you want them to find out. No. So, you know, that can run so quick. I, people always say like, Oh, if I, you know, they were in that celebrity shoes, they would have done things differently or whatever. The reality is like, we, we don't really have any idea of what their daily life is like or what being in these uh, positions of prestige or power, whatever is like, it's a, just it's a an, of influence of having yeah. so many eyes on you all the time. Yeah. And in, in regards to the, how I think, I really do think the same reasons he didn't tell people he was dying, whatever those were to him. I think they're the same reasons he was so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's for me, I, I think it's hard to imagine based off his whole energy that there wasn't some bitterness or anger there, but he could have been very at peace too. I could well, see he, he was going, Canadian. He was, he had no anger. <laughs> you don't think he was angry no. uh, off his comedy? Nah, dude. I don't know. When I think of comedians <laughs> like that, I think like it's cause right. Like I, I love what he does. I, I, I wouldn't want those things to change for him unless he wanted them to change but like when i see a comedian that's super deadpan and uh has like the smirk and it's almost like passive aggressive jokes right Mm -hmm. 
I, that is like severe anger to me under the mask, and I oh, love I, it. Yeah, I I don't think I don't think that's you don't think I don't that's think anger? that's his, no I don't think that's anger at all at least not in in his case I feel like it's all really it's like a super tongue in, at least the energy I got from from I get from Norm Macdonald is like it's a super tongue in cheek like. It's tongue in cheek while holding an axe behind your shoulder. No, no, <laughs> I think it's, it's like rage. a, I like you know, it's the whole, it's a, he's a comedian's comedian thing. It's like, there's layers to a joke and like, he could tell, you know, some of the jokes he told were like, technically it's like, it's not a good joke at all, but it was because of his delivery and the way that he did it, that it was like, this it's is, smooth. it made it funny. It's like the, yeah. the, the irony of it. And like, I think that look is more like a, you see what I'm doing here kind of thing. There, and there like, is that dichotomy. Like a, I do, I feel like there is some sort of spikiness. I feel like there is an anger, but he also was like very playful. And I think that's yeah. kind of like the balance. I, I could see him going either way. I yeah. feel like half a, like good comedians, I could see them like, uh, bringing the world together in peace or like just murdering people. <laughs> <laughs> They've seen the darkness in all of us. Yeah. That's what they're here for. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, so good. So, you know, like, like I say, like it's the keeping, keeping it a, a secret. It's gotta be like one of the hardest secrets to keep, especially if you're, if you're seeing doctors and stuff and like, you have to have an excuse prepared each time you have like a medical visit, even if you liken it to like, like, even if you think about it, like when you know you're about to quit your job and move away or something and, you know, just like for the thinking of like something more relatable, not that it's the same thing at all. Um, it's, it's incredible pressure to make plans and pretending that you'll be there for the next meeting and, you know, whatever that staff party on Friday or whatever. And you're, you know, trying not, you're trying to do the Irish goodbye thing where you get the fuck out the door. Is it, can I get canceled for saying Irish goodbye? That's like a saying, right? Yeah, I it's think a that's thing. a thing. I always yeah. like calling it the the George Costanza. <laughs> you leave on a you leave on your best joke. Like at any point during a party, dinner, whatever. As soon as you make a really good joke that everybody likes, you leave immediately you without the saying anything. <laughs> like that's the best you could do for the night. You have to pull Costanza and leave right away. Leave right away. <laughs> you know, you're you're telling, um, you know, half truths just to conceal the fact that you don't you know, want a going away party. You don't want all the cards and the gifts and the sympathy and stuff like that. You just want to spend your time there. Like it's another average day. You want everyone to think that it's just a normal, you know, every average work day and, and go about it so that you can, you know, be done with it. And you had that experience and then you go. It's like, that's, that's the way I liken it in my head because it's relatable, but it's like. It could it, be way easier to hide though. For him, like for someone famous, right? Like, because their schedules are busy all the time. They have money. They have people that can lie for them for other reasons. Like, you have a lot more resources to work with that. Maybe, yeah. But it, I, it would be. I don't think we'll ever find out. But it'd be interesting to know if, um, if my nine year thing. I'm gonna look that up in a sec. If that's correct, I wonder if he was doing treatments or not. Like, knowing yeah. if he was combating his illness or not um, puts a different light on things. Yeah. I feel like if, especially if he was like doing chemo or something like we would, you can see that shit that's visible in a very strong way. 
this fucking chemo is awful. I feel like there were some pictures of him that came out that that he didn't look so great. I don't know um, if anybody picked up on it earlier. I feel like, you know, there's also the people that like, you, you know, you work with on a, on a daily basis, you know, like he had shows and stuff and like, it's like, you're seeing these people every day. How, how are these people not seeing that you're sick and, or, or something, you know, like, I mean, I guess it's not that they don't see it. It's the, you know, it becomes a normal thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you're with somebody all the time, you don't realize small, you know, that all the changes of it happens in increments, but you go away for a while and you come back and see him again. It's like, oh, wow, you're like a different person. Yeah. No, he did keep it private for nine years. Near, wow. More than nine years, nearly a decade. Um, and we won't ever truly know who he told or not, but I can't imagine not telling your wife. Right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah, betrayal I, I, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who all he. That I don't know who all did know. I know, right? Of course, some people close to him did. Um, but it's like then. Then it's like, how long did they know? Right. And regardless, one. who did or didn't know, it is definitely not my place to judge. Right. Well, of course, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely between those relationships. I just know if I was in something similar, someone I loved was. Depending on the nature of our relationship, I would expect that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That that's you know, that's that's what that's what relationships like that are for, is like help help share certain burdens, I feel like. At least yeah. I feel like that's part of it. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and you touched on this earlier. Um, you know, like when after you have kept it a secret, like how how do you back out of it? So like it becomes harder to tell the truth. So it's like when you think about like when you tell a lie and it snowballs over time and it's it's so much harder to back out of it. Like how do you tell people that you love, you know, not only are you dying, but you've known about it and you kept a secret and lied to them for like months or years or, you know, that pressure like if I could imagine that like that pressure only gets stronger. And though, yeah. you know, maybe it starts to feel like more normal as time goes on. Like you just come to like this is the response I give for this kind of thing. I don't know. It's it's hard to think about. I'm not much into the lying game. I'm really shitty at lying. Um, so like I can't imagine that kind of pressure like spread out amongst all that time. It's it's a, a foreign concept to me. Yeah, I I was a weird mix. Like when I was using, I, I lied a lot, but I always was honest too. But those are two contradictory statements. They are, but they're in a way like you. I feel like you can tell the truth without ever telling a, a specific lie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like with drugs, you could be like, "Yeah, I was using," but you're not like, "Hey, this is where I was when this happened," or how I got the money for the. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like you can still keep it honest, but like keep things secret. But half truths. Yeah, and, but there's ways to, like, when something when something's that important that you want to hide, or, I don't know, I think lying can come much easier, especially after you, you get nine years of it. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm sure there were things with gambling too, to lose all your money multiple times over, right? Like he was a very uh, stubborn and innovative person to be able to, to come back from the, for those things to happen more than once and to always come back from it. Um, like he found ways to adjust the things I would imagine. Yeah. I think he, I think he was also, I think he was done gambling by that time. Yeah. I th- yeah. I feel like we listened to something where he said he quit altogether at some yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in the end, I, I think it's noble. Like, like you said, I think it's a, it's a noble act. It's, you know, maybe it's different depending on the circumstances, but it's, it's already known that, you know, your family's going to grieve when you're gone. And the sudden shock of your, your death is an, it's another pain, like that sudden shock that your family, it's a whole different thing. Um, but the time spent with someone and the memories of them will be genuine. And it's not memories of them sick and dying, but instead, you know, it's, it's memories as they were. Um, and that's, you know, that's how people want to be remembered, I think. In the end, here's here's a hypothetical. Yeah. Not that it ever happens, but in the end, shouldn't shouldn't the person who they loved, right? Like you die without letting someone know you're sick. Shouldn't the people that that loved you the most in the end get to decide if it was moral or not? Like yeah. if I if I let my wife whatever, like I die and don't tell my wife in the end, like at first she might, she might be so angry. She might never forgive you for it. Maybe five years later she does. Like what, I don't know who gets to decide that except the people that were closest. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely, I, 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 I do agree with that. Um, cause it's, I think it's different for each situation. Um, yeah. but I think people that go off, you know, you know the the topic in general of, of people doing this and people go off and they'll say you know like it's really fucked up and it's it's like i get that and i get why you think that but there are times when it's 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 not it's not that way and i think you're 100 right though it's not up to the general public it's about um it's it's about the family and and you know the people that were they're close to the person like that's those are the people whose opinion matters. Yeah. So you know it's it's wild shit. It's it's um and like I said I have some experience with it in general. My um uh, my aunt Sue um did this as well. Um we well we knew that she had cancer but we didn't know uh, that it was getting worse. Um, I, I don't know all the details. I was kind of young. Um, and from, from what I understand though, she would like show us like fake medical documents that showed that, you know, the family like fake documents that showed that it was getting better. And um, we even had like the family's doctor, like all my aunts all went to the same doctor um, they, like, he was, he couldn't tell anybody either. Like he's been like with the family for years and he couldn't talk to him, which was yeah, also really sucked, but you know, it was his license. Yeah. Um, so what I do remember is, uh, 
is one day I was getting ready for school and as I'm, uh, as I'm like getting ready to walk out the door to go to catch the bus, my aunt gets a phone call and I hear her, she just yells, what? And she runs and like grabs her keys. And like, she was also like getting kind of ready to leave for the day. And she, I just kind of hear her yelling and she doesn't really know, seem to know what's going on either. And so she didn't tell me, I don't even know if she even told me that aunt Sue collapsed or I don't, I don't even think she said that to me. I think she just said, uh, that someone that she had to, she had to go to the hospital or something. Um, it's weird going back to those kind of memories. Yeah. It? Trying to place like, you know, like we talked about, it's like this memories that I knew that I found out later and I'm piecing them back together. And it's like, did I really learn that part then? Or did I learn it later? I, yeah. I know for myself with things like that, it's like, it's really just a blur, but it's a story you tell yourself over and over yeah. what happened. And it gets very confusing. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't even remember, I'm trying to think if my mom was even in Cincinnati or not. I think she might've been in Florida at the time. I don't really remember. I know that she wasn't there in the morning and I don't even remember if I, if I stayed at school all that day or not. I think I might've left early, but I, I've had, I had to do that a couple times, uh, for people that had died or people that were sick or something you know so like i'm not even sure if i'm remembering that right but afterward we found out that uh she had collapsed that morning and she uh she had been getting worse this whole time and she didn't tell anybody but she was she was gone at that point she was you know was vegetative you know at best and they had her in hospice and um yeah she, she she just wasn't there anymore um, technically your body was still alive, but just not there. So, uh, we went to the hospital afterward and that's, that's unfortunately, that's my memory of my aunt Sue. Like I have others obviously, but when I think of my aunt Sue, that's the one I go to is in the, is in hospice. It's so fucking shitty. Cause that's like part of the whole reason she hid things too. But yeah. Those like seeing someone you love, like in those settings, it's so, it's so fucking cruel. Our brain does that to make yeah. those things stand out so much. It's yeah. Um, and I actually, I'd recently talked to a, a friend of mine about that. Their, their grandpa was sick and in the hospital and, um, like it, they were like, knew that he didn't have much time left and, the family was going and someone was someone was trying to make her feel bad because she didn't want to go to the hospital. And it was like, it's not like they were really super close with their grandpa. They just, you know, like they'd call and talked on the phone on holidays or whatever. And that was really it. And, um, but they didn't want to make the trick trip to go see him in the hospital because they, that's not how they wanted to remember them. And I, I told them like, I super don't blame you for that. Like I, that's your own decision you have to make, but I, I, I support that decision. That's, that's a, a good call. Um, that's, that's what I did with my grandma. It's, it's shitty. There's like regrets either way. Exactly. You know, um, I, so, I can, I can definitely support anyone that 
that makes that, I guess not anyone that makes that decision, but I, I understand why, why you wouldn't. And I'd say, don't feel bad about it. Yeah. You know, um, so how did you, you feel, how did you and your family feel? Well, so first it's shock, right? Cause like, especially cause she was, cause we knew that she was sick, but she was telling us that she was like getting better and it's not fine and it's not a big deal. And, and then just all of a sudden find out that no, it's been getting significantly worse. Um, despite treatments and, um, and stuff. So, and then to have it all happen so suddenly, um, and like even her husband that she had been with for, for many years with like, he, she didn't tell him, Damn. Um, no one knew. So going, you know, go, going through with the process of, of, you know, informing everyone. I remember that being, I, I, you know, luckily I said I, I was younger at the time, so I didn't have to be part of that. But like, I'm seeing my family going through like in shock, still trying to process this. But then also having to like make all these phone calls to anyone that like uh, wants to come up to hospice and then like taking my grandma up there and like she was already, you know, getting pretty deep into some dementia and um, taking her up there like, you know, she doesn't understand what she's there for. Right. She doesn't have any any idea. And then, you know, you tell her, but then like you know, fucking 10, 15 minutes later, she's asking again, like, who's, who's sick? Like, why are we here? Yeah. <clears throat> it's like a chain reaction of shock and confusion. Right? Yeah. Like, and, and I, I really, I still, I think that set apart or set in, set in emotion. Cause like for, you know, a while after that, we would, you know, until, until my grandmother died, really, we, there would be plenty of times where she would, I, I think it actually, I, I want to say it stopped at a certain point. She would ask about, it's like she knew something was wrong. Like she would either ask about her aunt or her daughter, or she would ask about something or she's like, but we had a, like a portrait on the wall. And I think like that also, like she would look at it and I think she knew something was wrong. She yeah. just didn't know what. And I feel like now I'm remembering that she just stopped asking at a certain point. And I don't know if that's actually true or um, it right. just became normal. And I, but every, we, we have to tell her all the time again that her, her daughter had died and that sucked. Um, do you, do you feel like having to re, like <clears throat> after someone dies that you love like it's always those first handful of times having to say it out loud to someone else is like really fucking hard. Yeah. Do, do you think there's there's something about like repeating it that either makes it better or worse? Um kind of it, to to a degree. Um I I'd say yes, but also like you can overdo that yeah. where you begin to dwell on it and it, cause it's like over time also there's a, you know, there's a, it, I think that correlates with time. It's um, like, it's like peeling a scab where like, yeah, it's, if you, it comes back in theory, you can heal from it. But if, if it's too often it, the wound gets worse. Kind yeah. Of thing. Like you have to yeah. have time to let it. And you, and you and you do have to, you know. That's the shittiest part of grief is like you do have to move on, 
and there's there's the the part of you that's like I don't I'm not ready to you know like when you're when you're going through that it's like I want to be but I'm not ready to and it's like I'm not there yet it's you know it's it's it is slowed down I think by the shock um when something's really sudden or it's traumatic um it's it's a harder that way because there's also like there's still so many unknowns of like what have they been thinking over this time? Like what, what, like what was the burden that they were going through? What's all this, you know, all the unknown stuff. And like, you can't, we, you just have to stop yourself because you can't do that to yourself. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the one It's like, you're never going to get these answers. You have to stop thinking about it. You have to stop dwelling on it. Um, and I know, um, I feel like, I feel like for my family in particular, what she did was better um than than to to tell everyone because um my family is you know on especially on my mom's side is it's all really close like there's you know there's uh is just lots of brothers and sisters and cousins and and it's i feel like it would have been so much stress over time that she didn't want to deal with and like she like they like her and her husband went to New Orleans all the time and like they partied and um you know if she was open about her illnesses then they might not have you know uh, about how bad they were then they might not have done as many fun things um cuz they would have been more concerned about like making sure she's more in the hospital and stuff like that and like but if it's if i don't know I don't know if it would have made a difference and she just wanted to live her life. And yeah, that's what I was going to ask is if, if you like, so you're saying maybe it would have, it was the best thing for the family. It's impossible to know. Maybe it was for the best for the family, but do you wish you would have known? (laughs) I know that's a really hard question. No, no, I, I think, I think the way she did it was the as I I liked that I I even you know I feel like having that um those last holidays and stuff together was better because I didn't know spending that time with her was better because I didn't know it didn't take away like the innocence of those memories no exactly so the so i think overall in our in our family for our situation it was at least for me it was better um once again i I was younger and you know i i don't know you know my other members of my family might respond differently but you know i think i think everyone at least understands why she did it. Would it be different if it was like a, a partner, like a spouse? Uh, I, yeah, I, th- I think that yeah. like, I've, I see that as maybe the one person that maybe in the end I could forgive for it but man i would be so angry i would be so angry her 
her husband, um, Uncle Dave, he, um, I, I honestly, I don't think he ever recovered from that though. Cause they, they were really, they were really, really close. Um, like they worked together. They, they, like I said, they traveled a lot together. Um, he, I, I, I honestly think he died of a broken heart. It was years later, um, you know, and he is, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I don't, he, he come around the house, you know, come around every now and then it was good to see him. He always, you know, seemed to be in decent spirits enough, but you could just tell that there was something. So, you know, he'd, he lost her and it was like, it just, what he wasn't right anymore. Yeah. It's a severed piece of yourself. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like knowing that about, and this isn't your, about your family. I just feel like knowing what the people you love would want is so important. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, it's, it's a hard burden to put on some people. Like you spare, you spare some people and then other people, it can be, you know, so much. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have to carry it it by myself, but I also wouldn't want to risk how how it could play out with people either. Right. But I I feel like he, we'll take it a different way. Do you feel like the person has an obligation to tell anyone? Like a no. moral or personal obligation? You think it's their life they they get to choose if they share that. I I do think that um that they get to choose it's that's their own choice it's just and you know it's and it's not a decision that's going to be right every time obviously yeah um because there are so many factors to it of, like you said of like it's not it's like maybe it's better for family or maybe it's better for you know this these people but like for everybody it's not going to be the same reaction it's not gonna right like the first thing that came to mind was like like Norm had kids and I think yeah. the exception of that is they were older. They were much older, you know? Yeah. But like I think I think it depends on I don't think it there's an inherent obligation, but like you said, there's so many factors. Like if you had people that relied on you being there, I think that can become an obligation. Yeah. And it and something like kids or or just someone you love, like it's hard to know where that obligation lies to what level someone relies on you. Like it's weird. Like I wouldn't think I wouldn't think like if I was dead tomorrow, um anyone would need me, right? Mm-hmm. And then like Who the fuck am I gonna do this podcast? <laughs> You'd find a street cat. <laughs> <laughs> But like you don't know till you're gone who who needed you how much you know yeah and they're it's a hard thing to decide for people yeah I think that um boy I had a point and I lost it <laughs> um the um the the obligation to uh, to other people um 
boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. How did I get lost on that? Depends It'll on how come. much people need you, right? <clears throat> yeah. And it's, like you said, it's, it's different when you have kids and it's different when you have... Hey, you know, you got to tell your employer too. They're yeah, you have to give your two weeks before you die. <laughs> you got to at least push it off two weeks. They need you on Monday, man. <laughs> Can I you want, imagine? That would be the one. That would be the one person I would want to know. My boss would be like, just to let you know, I'm not going to be here long, and you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. And that two weeks of pay, <laughs> since you didn't pay me for the first two weeks. I'm quitting now so I can cash that last check. <laughs> I worked at a place that was notorious for like letting people go and then calling them weeks later because like <laughs> we had like a Friday coming up and we were short staff and oh, you know shit, like, that's such a move. <laughs> like like okay you're fired like or, you know or people that would quit like walk out and quit and they do the same thing they call them back in it's like the fuck you gonna keep giving these people you know. Like, you know, like, fuck this job. And it's like, I'll be back next week, though. Like, <laughs> That's such a bad demoralizing precedent to set with the staff. It is. It's so it's bad. So bad. <laughs> like, nothing you do has any consequences. Right, so like, we're really desperate. <laughs> Could you come back next week? Oh, fucking A. So, I feel like, I feel like we got at what we wanted to talk. I know. Yeah. I know we, we definitely um, pass no judgment on Norm. And I, I know we, we both love his work and respect him enough to say we didn't care for his comedy that much. Man, it wasn't all that damn funny. <laughs> Fucking love Norm MacDonald. <laughs> um, is, there, is there anything anywhere you want to swing it? Um, yeah, yeah you know shit. what? While I'm, you know, while we're, you know, kind of getting sad and depressed and upset let me turn it into anger and turn it on uh goddamn recycling raccoons you're fucking on notice dishonorable mentions dishonorable mention recycling raccoons what are they doing so it's a michigan um like a recycling program thing that they're they use they use these cute pictures of raccoons and these little outfits and they're they're fake little (laughs) made-up names and they they have um, you know, the different things like one of them, uh, Gladys Glass, fuck you, Gladys, uh, the unofficial leader of the squad. Um, she likes, she likes clean glass and they're talking about them, these raccoons digging in the trash and pulling out the recycling. Uh, they try really hard not to break glass while they're knocking over trash cans in search of a snack. And it's, 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 they're trying to bite our shit. I'm seeing uh, uh, billboards up all over town and they're they're trying to come for our trash cat angle and I'm telling you right now you better stop that shit you can fuck right off yeah they're gonna be facing a lawsuit before they know it unless they sponsor us yep. <laughs> let's get us let's get a, a, a sponsor from this probably uh, state funded program <laughs> yeah our first sponsor have you ever sponsored by Michigan State <laughs> What, the first podcast sponsored by the state. <laughs> what's what's the closest you've ever been to a, a wild raccoon? Um, very close. Um, like within kicking distance. Not <laughs> not that I would have kicked it, but I've kicked easily possum. within reach because it scared me. Now we did. Now I I don't feel good about this at all. 
Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> but I <laughs> did just think of a dark skip. secret, and it's not really a secret. It's just something I hadn't thought about in a long time. Um, we used to go raccoon hunting in David's backyard. Sorry, I just put David on blast. <laughs> in a in a friend's backyard, <laughs> we would go raccoon he, hunting. He's doing like a nature conservation. Oh hour. my god! I can't <laughs> delete that. Different. It was a different David. <laughs> It was it was with it was with uh, the cheap Walmart bought airsoft guns. It wasn't real hunting, <laughs> right? But they were Dude, they were they were the dumpster behind the, the apartment building oh, behind his house. And we did you ever were you ever at uh, my Hawaiian terrorist spot when the the raccoon gangs were out? <laughs> no, dude, how have I never told you? There was a whole hierarchy, right? There was dumpsters in the back lot. And these ghetto fucking apartments, man. Everyone throws their trash off their balcony <laughs> on trash week, and the bags just explode into the parking lot. <laughs> Every week. Dude, I'm not joking. Like, maybe one-tenth of the people. Funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. Maybe one-tenth of the people would take their bags to the, du- the, the dumpster, and, like, the other 90% would just throw them off the balcony and let them explode in the parking lot. <laughs> and then everyone would park over the bags and shit. The stuff's blowing everywhere. The dumpster. Dude, this is non, non-exaggeration non numbers. In broad daylight, there would be 20 to 30 raccoons just chilling all over the dumpster. And then there were packs of feral cats at least 20 cats and the raccoons would scurry and grab the bags and they would drag them over to the dumpster and then they would go through it find the stuff they wanted to eat and toss the scraps to the cats and there were two there was the gang of raccoons and the gang of cats and they would battle all day long over the trash it would sustain them for the whole week and then there was another gang that was encroaching in on their territory at night and it was the skunks. Oh, and you would, yeah. You would try to get out to your car, and there would be seven skunks at a time. And they'd, they'd box you in. And you'd have to zip in and out of the <laughs> It was so crazy, man. Broken glass and trash oh everywhere. Oh, my God. My, yes. my, really, my, my only experience with Hawaiian Terrace was uh, my yellow bus would go through there to pick up kids. Oh, that's on rough. The way to, on the way to school. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> we had 10 murders and two body dumps in the first year I was there. Jesus, God. S- SWAT team comes every Thursday, and you could count a 1,000 rounds being shot a week. <laughs> it was a fucking riot, dude. Oh, man. Jesus the, Christ. The raccoons made it fun, though. <laughs> yeah, I bet. That, was, know that was the lively me. part. <laughs> You can feed them trash collection agency. <laughs> yeah, you just get faded and feed raccoons all night. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately when you, I, I laughed so hard when you said they just throw the trash out. It was like, I'm thinking like Trailer Park Boys shit. How like Dude. when they like got stuff and they need to like get it off the lawn or whatever, they just throw it on top of the house, just on top Dude, of the you- trailer. <laughs> You'd see people do it without looking, and it would just slam onto a hood of a car. 
just explode. <laughs> Car alarms going off. It was the most reckless shit. <laughs> oh, God damn. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, we needed that laugh. <laughs> oh, fuck. So fun. Oh, well, so, yeah, recycling raccoons are on notice. We got we got a laugh in. Oh, uh, my dishonorable mention. Uh, all this stuff going on in Texas, trying to repeal uh, Roe vs. Wade. I'm going to say, this is a bold one, fuck the entire state of Texas. <laughs> I'd like to second that motion. The entire state. Everyone in it. Yeah. If you listen to us, stop listening. <laughs> yeah. I've, you know. Yeah, y'all can do better. It's fucked yeah. up. That's crazy, man. It's we got like two more months before shit changes. It's gonna there's some there's pushback, but it shit's gonna get wild, man. <sighs> Fucking a. Um, we need uh we need better honorable. <laughs> yeah, no, those were dishonorables. The, the, uh, yeah, yeah, but we need a good way to transition. Yeah, to transition. Well, thanks again for listening. <laughs> Fuck everybody in Texas, but hey, thanks everybody for listening. And Norm died of lymphoma. Yeah. <laughs> and leukemia. Oh, well, to be fair, most of that was taken from uh, from Wikipedia. And uh, maybe we could have cushioned it a bit more, but you know, just a little bit, just a little bit. We'll do so, we'll do some more work next time. Next time we'll do better, guys. I promise. Yeah, we're trying. We got some cool stuff coming up, though. I'm ex- I got another one for you. I found this paper about the one spot in the, it's a real crime statistics the, paper. The, the G spot? <laughs> Not quite. It's more like the M spot. The, the P spot. <laughs> M for murder. There's one spot in the United States where there's no jurisdiction to hold court. If a murder is committed there. Oh. And we got some volumetric capture. We got a special Halloween topic. We got some cool stuff coming. Yeah. Should be good shit. Yeah. Um, so, Let's do it. Yep. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Um, thank you to Approaching Human for the use of his music. You can find his work on SoundCloud at Approaching-Human. Thank you, John. Finish the album. Uh, make sure to check out the show page at Trashcats Trashcast on Instagram for news and art from the show. Uh, you can def- definitely check out Facebook for the memes. For the memes. The memes. If you're bored, you can check out my trash yard on Instagram at Skyzix, S-K-Y-Z-I-C-X. Finally okay. got something new up there. Um, and I'm copying this down features. here for you. Who's their features? <laughs> um, yeah, a uh, special shout out to Dash and Tyler. Check out their podcast, Movie Time Extra, exclamation mark on Spotify, and I think some other ones. And uh, check out uh, Aunt Diane's art on uh, Diane V. Raydell Art. Uh, yes. On Instagram, we'll have a link for that. So I'm really glad you shared her stuff. Um, and then this last one, we're going to play the Alex Jones Prison Planet as our outro. So stick around. And uh, yeah, tune in, tune in next Wednesday for our episode on. Um, we're freestyle. doing. I'm sorry. Freestyle, oh, yeah, freestyle right? next week. Hell yeah. yeah. Chilling. Um, that's going to be all for us today. Stay classy, eat trashy. Go fast, eat trash. And now, forever, from the album Corrupt Them All by the Alex Jones Prison Planet. You want to try to do that at the same time? No. <laughs> you sure? I can't.
came knocking on your door a million times and you laughed at me. You've been in love with something else your whole life. And this is a love affair. And so I'm not going to get in bed with you. Because you don't love the spirit of justice. You love your father, the devil. You love death more than life. So you go with your father forever.